to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, I am losing my voice at the worst possible time. So let's try to get through this thing as we figure out the latest on Chris Paul and whatever else the Lakers have brewing now with about 48 hours or so to go before the NBA draft. Also, apparently my bit this offseason is Ben Simmons fake trades. I don't know where I was when this was... <laughs> When this started happening in my brain, but I cannot stop doing it. Let's start with Chris Paul, though. Um, As of right now, it looks like Chris Paul is going to be, well, he has been traded. And because of the parameters and the peripheries of this trade, upwards of like $30 million of his contract this year has now been guaranteed, which means there's no real point for Washington to waive him. They don't really... They don't save anything. Adrian Wojnarowski uh, said that uh, Washington is now looking at this. And by the way, um, Woj, I believe, recorded a pod like a week or so ago with the Wizards leadership. Um, But he is now saying that they are heading into the season. And if they can't find a contender to send Chris Paul to, that they are now willing to consider him their point guard this year, at least through to the trade deadline, and if they can't find a deal there at the trade deadline, maybe then you start to consider a buyout situation there for Chris Paul where he can play on a team that has a more viable path to a championship this year. Um, he still does mention that the Clippers are considering considering a trade. Um, Brad, uh, Brad Turner and, and Dan Wojcicki, did a thing for the Times today, as well as uh, their their Clippers beat reporter there, where the three of them kind of talked amongst each other about the outcomes here for Chris Paul as it pertains to the LA uh, NBA teams. And, you know, it became clear there that the Lakers are not interested in trading for Chris Paul and that the only scenario here where the Lakers would be interested in Chris Paul would be, you know, as a minimum signing there where, uh, you know, that allows them to maintain flexibility here moving forward. All that said, there's a lot said there, but all that said, um, and having, having read that, I started reaching out to, and I asked around and I, and I wondered out loud if the Lakers would consider signing Chris Paul to like an exception, uh, to, to the taxpayer mid-level, which is around $5 million this year. And uh, the thinking there would be that, you know, Washington uh, gets to save a couple extra million bucks. Chris Paul winds up giving back 5 mil to Washington, signs with the Lakers for 5 mil, and he is their uh, exception signing this offseason. Lukewarm response at best there. And yeah, it looks like the only way that Chris Paul will be a Laker this offseason is if he gets bought out or waived by Washington and then signs on the minimum with the Lakers, having already had 30 mil guaranteed for himself on in this upcoming year. Um, a few reasons for, for why Chris Paul, by the way, would not necessarily like push for being waived is, like, yeah, he's making 30 mil this year. But once you sign on that minimum contract, especially at this stage of his career, he is going to be making minimum money from that point forward in all likelihood. That's how teams are going to look at him. And 
And that is something that, you know, from his own earning perspective, he might not be interested in. And, you know, very few players understand earning potential in the NBA in ways that Chris Paul does. And, uh, you know, given his role with the players union, I could totally see him kind of looking at this and saying, you know, we can do one year of this if we absolutely have to if uh, the Lakers and Clippers decide not to trade for me. So, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot kind of going on here. There's a lot of chicken being played. Uh, but one thing I, I, I can definitively kind of say or report, if you want to use that kind of lingo, is that the Lakers will not be trading for Chris Paul this offseason. As of now, I guess. I maybe don't need to say it that strongly. As of now... It is not at all in the Lakers' plans to trade for Chris Paul. In other efforts, as it pertains to the Lakers, like kind of looking at the market and seeing what they could maybe get for for Mo Bamba and for uh, Malik Beasley and that number 17 pick in this year's draft, if it comes to it too, um, sounds to me like the there, there just isn't very much interest right now as... Uh, you know, teams don't know what player they would be getting with that number 17 pick because the way that it would have to go down is the Lakers would have to essentially promise a team that they will draft a player or a certain player for that team. And then after drafting that player, agree to send that pick and either Beasley or uh, Bamba and or Bamba uh, to that team to bring back whoever it is that they wind up taking back in that trade. And that's a lot of waiting. That's a lot of I's that need to be dotted and a lot of T's that need to be crossed in order to, you know, viably come to terms on that kind of a deal. And given every all of the the unknowns heading into this draft, that is not the kind of trade that teams are all that interested in talking about right now you know, 48 hours before the draft. In the next 48 hours, in the next 24 hours, maybe that changes. But as of right now, like it, it not only is it that, you know, you have the difficulties that come with all of those promises and all of the hypotheticals and depending on which player slides the 17 and all of that, like on top of all of that, you know, you don't, the, the, the market on Bamba isn't great. You know, Orlando has been, very open to uh, moving away from him or had been very open to moving away from him until they finally eventually did um, in trading him for a few seconds and Patrick Beverly. And then Malik Beasley is, uh, you know, an inconsistent shooter whose shooting numbers, by the way, over the last few years have been trending in the wrong direction. Um, he doesn't play any defense. He is kind of who he is at this point, and he couldn't play in these playoffs this year. So, like, teams took notice of that, and the Lakers took notice of that. And so, yeah, I, for, for both of those players, Beasley and Bamba, it would be one thing if there was, you know, a, a more solid market for either guy, uh, but there just isn't. And this is going to be the kind of thing that, you know, you might hear some names floated between now and whenever the Lakers get ready to draft at 17. But until then, 
yeah, this is going to be a pretty slow developing situation. And, uh, you know, for the Lakers, it's kind of like, and I, I wrote about this for Substack, but remember back when the Lakers were trying to turn like Kendrick Nunn and Taylor Horton Tucker and one of their picks into something at the deadline. And they just kept canvassing the league with the same offer. And eventually everybody just kind of looks. It's like, yeah, we know. We know what your offer is. We're good. We're good. And and I think it's kind of turning into that same kind of thing here where, hey, just so you know, 17 might be available. Malik Beasley, Mo Bamba, what do you think? And the teams around the league are like, we know. We know what you're interested in. We, we, we know what you're offering. Hold on. But for the most part, we're good. Both of those players are just, they would be expiring contracts for us this year. We're good. Another player that the Lakers are kind of running into some disinterest or boredom in, in hearing about trade proposals with is, is D'Angelo Russell. And, um... You know, again, I wrote about it for Substack, and I wrote about a whole bunch for Substack. It was supposed to be a short little thing, and um, it wound up not being that. So if you want to check it out, that's at uh, Substack at, I think it's like Substack.AnthonyIrwin.com or something. Um, but but yeah, it's a, uh, it's a weird situation that the Lakers find themselves in here with D'Angelo Russell, where I think the kind of pervasive stance on him is a little too negative where I see way too many people just like, no, screw it. He couldn't play in the Western conference finals. He's expecting way too much money. Just let him walk. Screw that guy. Let him go. And I think that's a little too extreme. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, you don't want on top of the asset management, right? Where, um, you know, you traded away Russell Westbrook and you got back, Russell and Beasley and Vando. Uh, you also sent out a first round pick in that trade. And, you know, you can't send out first rounders and only have Jared Vanderbilt to show for it on top of like not utilizing potentially two of those salary slots, right? If the Lakers wind up uh, not exercising Malik Beasley's contract and uh, also let D'Angelo Russell walk, then that Russell Westbrook trade just becomes that much more painful. Like not, not the trading away Russell Westbrook, but like acquiring him and then the experience of that. And then, you know, now a year removed from it, what you walk away from that entire situation with like, yeah, I got you a Western conference finals and, and, and uh, those moves did help. But like, Jared Vanderbilt barely played in that final series and, and in all three series got played off of the court. Malik Beasley did not play very well in the playoffs when he did play and eventually was just benched altogether. D'Angelo Russell did not play in that final series. Um, you know, when it, when it was really time to turn things around, the Lakers decided to turn away from D'Angelo Russell. So to a certain extent, you're like, yeah, it unlocked Austin Reeves and it's great to find that out, but also the stuff that you got back in that deal with a first round pick going out, you need a little bit more to show for it than that. And uh, that's why I kind of think that the Lakers will wind up bringing back D'Angelo Russell at the very least, if they aren't able to find a team 
that is willing to, uh, you know, agree to terms with Russell and send a player back in the Lakers' direction for it. I, 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 I if I had to predict it, I would probably say that D'Angelo Russell is a Laker on opening night. A little more about Beasley. This has been really interesting. So Beasley has this uh, team option that if the Lakers do not exercise the option, I, for some reason, have just apparently had this wrong forever. But uh, previously, I thought when a team does not exercise a team option or they turn down the option, that they would then forego bird rights. But that is actually not the case. Uh, If the Lakers turn down that team option on Malik Beasley, they could retain those bird rights on him and bring him back at a lower number. So I started asking around, hey, like, is this a possibility here? Um, This seems to make sense. If you aren't able to get anything back for Beasley on the trade market, maybe bring him back at a more reasonable number. Um, And and was met with like, no, no, probably not. (laughs) <laughs> and and it really kind of surprised me. So I don't know. I, I thought that Beasley, uh, look, is he a $16 million player? No. Uh, is he one of the league's best shooters? Probably not. Is there maybe even value on having him at a $16 million number instead of six uh, for the sake of contract matching? Probably. But still, like, to have no interest in a guy whatsoever, uh, potentially, uh, doesn't really make much sense to me. Again, be you know, hearkening back to or looking back at the, the trade that the Lakers made, you gave up a first rounder in part to bring this guy in. Uh, I would like to see what a training camp does with him, uh, you know, get him bought into the Lakers culture where. He has to to compete defensively better than he did last year. He has to be more willing to do some of the things that the Lakers expect of guys in order to be a part of winning basketball. I kind of figured, like, why not, especially at a lower number, try try to run this back. And again, like, when he was at his best, he is such a good shooter that teams are willing usually to overlook some other warts from it and, and, or, you know, in, in, in the Malik Beasley experience and um, yeah, just kind of turning down the team option and letting him walk for nothing. If you can't find a trade for him strikes me as uh, poor asset management. And, you know, some of this is going to depend on Rui Hachimura's number. We kind of know at this point that Austin Reeves is probably going to be back in like a 12 and a half ish, 12 maybe million dollar contract next season. Um, Rui, there's a little bit more variance there. And, and you know, you add up the contracts that the Lakers would have. And, and if you're getting close to that second apron and the Lakers are treating it as a hard cap, if they are treating it as a hard cap, uh, then, yeah, it makes some sense to maybe let one of Bamba or Beasley go. But in if it's like, Beasley at 16 million or not having a player, uh, I would rather have Beasley at like six or seven million if if that's what it takes, or five or six million. Um, that way you at least have that contract to work with. You still do retain somebody who can knock down shots. Um, 
like I, I just don't think Beasley is so bad at this point that he doesn't belong on an NBA roster. And if the Lakers, you know, based on some of the responses that I got uh, to just kind of asking some questions about Beasley, um, it really strikes me as interesting that like so many people who I trust and who I, I really do think are good basketball minds look at this guy and like, no, now we're good here. That's That's really interesting. It's really surprising. Beyond all that, though, we're just kind of sitting here waiting. Um, you know, we're just there just isn't much that can be done right now until that draft takes place on Thursday when the Lakers uh, will be able to draft a player and send that player away if they choose to do that. Um, when the Lakers have the opportunity to just draft at 17 um, and and, you know, we see what the Lakers roster looks beyond that. So. Uh, yeah, we're just kind of sitting here waiting. Uh, I do have some fun shows kind of set up for you guys in the meantime. Um, and, and as we get to them, you know, I, I look forward to having those conversations. But, but I, and I, I know um, that waiting is kind of the worst part here. But I do still kind of feel like there's a good offseason to be had here. And that that trip to the Western Conference Finals can be built on. Um, we did hear from Phil Handy as he made an appearance, I believe in the Philippines and made it known that he signed an extension with the Lakers. By the way, if you had listened to one of Aaron and my conversations either last week or the week before, uh, you knew that, uh, Phil Handy was going to be coming back. Um, so you're welcome to those of you privy to that information a little bit ahead of time, but yeah, he appears to be coming back. We need to see how uh, the Lakers fill out some of their coaching ranks now that uh, Frank Vogel has poached some, uh, poached for lack of a better term, but hired away some of the Lakers' lo- uh, coaching talent. And uh, yeah, so there's, there's, there's a whole bunch to get to in the coming days. Um, in a little bit, Harrison and I are going to be playing one of our favorite games. We're going to be playing some uh, Lakers bingo, Lakers offseason bingo to get you ready for that. And then uh, we have a guest to come on and, and start and kick off our player review season. Then we have the draft on Thursday. We have reaction to the draft on Friday and free agency shortly after that. So until then, and until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one. Oh, I guess I should talk about Ben Simmons. Oh, we're out of time.